worthy is your name. It's so good to be able to sing praise to him and tell him he's worthy. Songs like that, no matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what kind of stuff you got going on and, and stuff that's on your mind and bothering you and all that, uh, when you start praising God and telling him he's worthy, all of a sudden everything else just kind of just disappears and you get in his presence and then it's just you and him and nothing else matters. Amen? Man, that's so important for us to be able to do that and, uh, and to get, get lost in his presence and to be there and to worship him and realize, is it, has he been a way maker for anybody? Come on. I mean, th those songs, man, we should just, in, in just engulf ourselves in, you know. I love that, that worthy song there. I play that a lot during the week. I just, sometimes I just need to get in his, his presence just because of the rickman roar of, of life and stuff. And sometimes I'll just put that on and put my, both my ear, ear pieces in and I'll just kind of go to another place no matter where I'm at. You know, well, not riding down the road, but I'll put one riding down the road. When I stop, I'll put the other one in, you know, and kind of lose myself. So I want to talk to you today. Tonight, today's the, typically the, the last day of, of the Chosen series that we had. We watched the last couple episodes the other night and it was just so amazing. And they, they got season two coming out and... Um, but it's given me the opportunity, I just love telling stories, and I love the, this series has given me the opportunity to like take a story and talk to you about it, and kind of, and kind of break it down a little bit, and um, kind of bring up some points in between there, rather than, you know, the typical, you know, three points, three points in a poem, and preaching at you, and stuff like that, I want to preach to you through the story, let the story preach to you, um, and I love that, but today, before I get to the story of the woman at the well, the encounter, the encounter, the encounter with the Messiah, I want to tell you a modern day parable. You know, Christ talked through parables, and he told, he told people, he said, it's kind of like this field, it's kind of like this person, it's kind of like the sand, you know, he was all the time telling parables, um, and then he used that, and so I'm going to talk about a modern day parable to, to teach you a little, a little, little thought process, and then I'm going to go into, and I'm going to use the true story of the Bible, and I'm going to, to, to talk to you through that as well, so please continue if you're, if, if you, uh, um, have your phone and you want to comment through there, please do that if you're on your phone for, for that reason. And if, if you're not, you're welcome to say, you know, please join me in, in, in saying amen and, and rooting me on. It helps me out. It makes me know that you're still out there because it's kind of dark out there, right? All I see is lights. So, but anyway, there's a group of, of salesmen that, that was in a sales convention in Chicago. And they were in the sales convention and they had finished the sales convention. They told their wives, I'll be home Friday night for supper. And they had like just, you know, a quick little window for, for the, to catch the next flight. You know, has anybody ever flown and you know, like you, you have a window and they put you on this flight and the next flight leaves in like, you know, 25 minutes when you get there and you're, it's all the way across the airport and you got to run, you know, like, like O.J. Simpson and jumping across everything. Well, that's what these guys were in. They were in a rush trying to get home. And so they, they had the three-piece suits on and they were sitting there running and they had their, 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 their luggage and they had their briefcases with them and they were running. And in this particular airport in Chicago, they had like a little, an apple stand for fruit. It was like around breakfast time. They had an apple stand sitting there and there was a little girl behind it and the guys were running and one guy got all the way almost past the, the, uh, the little stand and his 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 briefcase grabbed the front corner and, and and took the back corner and popped it out see what i'm saying and then when it popped it out the next person came by that was running he hit it and knocked all those those apples off and you know in the airport when apple the apples and they just roll everywhere everybody the, all those guys just kept going they just kept running except for one guy that was in the back he had this twinge of compassion and he's like man i man he said, guys, y'all go on, tell my wife I've got to catch the next flight. He said, I cannot, just, I mean, this, this is a mess, and we may, I just can't. He just had, he had some morals about him, and he's like, man, I just can't do this and not do the right thing. 
So he stopped, and he, he began to help this young little lady, and, and he looked at her and started talking to her, and uh, he, he realized that this 16-year-old little girl was blind, and she was doing this in the airport to make some more money and was helping out, helping out things, and, and, and so uh, tears were running down her cheek, and so he knelt on the floor in his $800 suit and got down there and got all the apples back, put them back up on, on the little shelf that she had, and when he got it, put them up on the shelf, um, he got finished, he pulled out his wallet and said, ma'am, here, I'm going to give you $40, and I want you to know that this is for you to take, this is to help take care of any kind of something that's broken, maybe on your little stand here that you need to take care of. You know, I'm so, I'm so sorry that we did that. I, I apologize, and, and I'm sorry. So God bless, have a good day. And he walked out, he walked off, and as he walked off, all of a sudden, the, the, the woman, the little girl said, Mr., Mr., and of course, like I said, she's legally blind, and, uh, and he said, and she said, he said, turn around, I said, yes, ma'am, and she said, are you Jesus? And then that really affected him in a powerful way. And I want you to stop right there. I want you to hold that thought. I want you to pontificate upon it. That was a pretty big word. Pontificate upon it. That's probably the only big word I know, and it just came out of nowhere. So pontificate on that. Think about it a little bit. Say lie, and just keep it in the back of your mind, you know, about that. And then we're going to go right into this story for today, okay? Um, and we're going to talk about the woman at the well. This woman has no name. It's the woman at the well. That's her name. Okay, but she is, is such a powerful, powerful story. If you go outside as you're leaving, you'll see on the, on the little table out there, I've got a, uh, a, a little statue of the woman at the well um, that I got from Israel last time I went. And it is made out of olive wood. And so it was very expensive. It was a very pretty piece. And I brought it, brought it back here and I put it in the church um, so y'all could see it. And it was in, normally in my office, but I put it out, out front for you to look at it. Also, uh, when I was in Israel, I, I actually went to Jacob's well. You know, they have, they have, you know, different parts of, of the city that some they have excavated down, and they got down several, several layers into, to the earth to find out where the real piece is really at. And sometimes they'll say, well, hey, it was here, but maybe a century down, you know, that, that it really actually, that's where it happened at. But so you walk into this big, huge, huge beautiful um, Catholic church, and then you go to the back of the Catholic church, and then you go down like two flights of stairs down under the earth. And you go into this big old, big old room, and it is actually Jacob's well sitting there. And it's the well that, that Jesus was at and the woman was at the well was at. It was so amazing. And, and, and they had it, and they would pull it up, and, and, they, and they said, if you want to put some on your hands, wash your hands. I said, can I drink this? They're like, we don't recommend it. I said, I just started sucking it. We're dry. And, and I was like, well, hey, it's, this, this is Jacob's well, right? This is good holy water right here, you know? And so I just started drinking it up, man, and, and, and it was fine. Everything was fine. But also, they sold these little tiny things right here to symbolize, you know, some of the little, the little things. It says Jacob's well on it. And, and they actually had water in there from that. So I came back and gave them, gave them to some people. And then I found out later on that you can't, it's just sand. I mean, it's like salt right now. All the water dried up. And I was like, well, that stinks. I bring Jacob's well water back, and it's gone. You know, but then again, man, God's like, whoa, 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 what's the, whole, what's the whole point behind that story? That this, you know, if you drink this right here, this well will run dry one day. This, this, well, this, 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 right, this well right here, you drink from this, you'll thirst again. But if you drink from my well, you'll never thirst again, right? And so I was like, man, that's kind of cool that it's empty now. There was, there was water in here from Jacob's well, but now it's gone. And, but I'm still drinking from the well of Christ. So anyway, let me read just a portion of the scripture because I want to tell you the story. But it says... In um, John chapter 4, verses 4 through 10, it says, He had to go through Samaria on the way. I think King James makes it kind of neat. It says, uh, I must needs go through Samaria, I think. 
But anyway, eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sakar. Sakar. Near the field that Jacob gave to his son, um, Joseph. Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, and I love how it said tired from the long walk. I just love that. Because we, we, we read that and script right across it. But that says he's human. That shows that he's like us. He, yes, he's, he could do he could miracles, but he's tired. And he wanted to sit down. It says he was sat down, be, um, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw the water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Um, and, and he was alone at the time because the disciples had just went into the, the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised the Jews refused to do anything with the Samaritans. Uh, she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God had for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me if, and I would give you living water. So you, this might surprise you. It really it actually surprised me. I didn't think about it. I just, you know, I just love finding stuff I don't think about, you know. So I, in, in my studies, I found out that this is the longest recorded session in the Gospels between Jesus and anybody, that where someone asks and he asks back. Normally, someone says something and he replies and then that's then it's over, you know. Or maybe they ask, but 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 and he has answers and then he leaves or something. But here they're sitting there. He's sitting on he's sitting on this rock or what something over here on the wall and they're just having this conversation. It's the longest recorded conversation. That's a little fun fact. I think that's interesting. Um, and but anyway, and then they had this one on one conversation. And and it, he was trying. Jesus was trying to to keep it spiritual, but she she kept keeping it in the physical because she wasn't there yet but he, he eventually got her there so the thing is they had the details of this exchange between the woman at the well and jesus was kind of as follows jesus and the disciples were traveling from judea to galilee because in, in judea he was doing these miracles turn he was doing all these these healings and you know the, the, turning the water into wine and, and all this other stuff and and, and the, tearing the roof off the house and all that kind of stuff and and that the man the man came down to see jesus through the roof and so he was doing all these things and, and it really got the pharisees in an uproar and they were getting ready to come after him and they were going to try to try to give him a hard time and all this kind of stuff so they're like you know what let's just go back to galilee where where you know the gal you know, the sea of galilee is just cool relaxed and the waters are just nice and still we can just go go that way but to get to some get there they went through samaria now that's not the fastest route necessarily um also samaria some um, samaria um they went through sakar sakar means um uh town of drunkenness so this place was not really a good place and also samaria was not a good place either because it said he had to go through samaria but but he, he there's two reasons maybe that he could have went through samaria one is because he knew that people in, in Judea might say, well, maybe he's going to go, this is the typical way you go, so let's go after him. Or another way, and I feel like this is the way it, that, that he meant it for, it wasn't to try to hide from nobody, because Jesus didn't never hide from nobody. He, wouldn't, he was not afraid of a confrontation. It was because he had something important that he needed to do there. The, uh, the disciples, I'm sure, I know in the movie, the disciples were like, hey, this is the way, Jesus. He's like, no, follow me. we got to go through Samaria. So I feel like he was very definitely had a reason to be there, and the reason was the woman at the well. Um, <clears throat> so he told the disciples, go ahead. Y'all go on and go buy some food. I'm going to stay here. I'm tired. I'm going to sit here and rest a little bit here at the well. Jesus was alone. Not very often do you find Jesus is alone. I, I thought that was interesting too. <clears throat> I love, I just, it's just amazing when you, you read this stuff and all of a sudden something just comes at you. That he was alone. 
normally he, you hear him talk about, well, I'm going to get alone and I'm going to go to the mountaintop and pray. But not, not very often do you see him just sitting somewhere alone, just hanging out by himself. And here he's alone. And then also the woman at the well is alone. How perfect is this? He knew where she was coming from, and he knew where he was coming from. He had to come at the right time. She had to come at the right time. And Jesus is always an on-time God, right? He always knows. He, you, know, you may feel like he's late, but he's always on time. And he knows how to get somewhere when you need him to be there at the right time. But this is a desert. It's a hot place, hot area. They had to walk a long ways to go to the well. And normally they went either in the morning time or at, at late at night time, or in the afternoon time, rather, to get this water from the well because it was very hot during the day. And she went in, at noon. So you may want to ask, why, why did she do that? Well, she was probably out of touch with the other women. She came from, from Samaritan. Samaritan was a, a, a mixed conglomeration of a, different, a bunch of different races and stuff, and, and they, 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 they intermarried, and, and, and they, people looked at them down because of that. Of course, we know there's nothing wrong with that, but, but in that day, it was very looked down upon. And so they, they had this situation where, where she also, and, and, and including being there with those women, she had a lot of adulterous affairs, and she had like she was married five times. She, she got married a lot and divorced a lot, and she had a lot of a lot of things going on. And so those women talked about her. So she probably at that well didn't want to go because of the drama. She's like, I don't want to deal with the drama. If I go, they're gonna stare at me. They're gonna talk about me, and I just don't want to. They're gonna get in their little corner. And it's gonna be a little step for wives of a car, you know. Uh, and and I, I'm not gonna deal with that. So we're going to just go on, and I'm going to just go in the middle of the day. It's going to take me a little longer, and it'll be a little hotter, but I'd just rather not deal with the drama, right? So she responds, and so, so Jesus comes and starts the conversation, trying to start a conversation. He says, hey, uh, give me a, why don't you give me a drink of water? And, you know, and, she, and she's wondering, like, how strange is this? I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jew. Why, why, why are you talking to me? She knew the rule that you didn't talk with one another. That's why the Good Samaritan is such a, is a powerful thing because they weren't supposed to interact with one another. But, but uh, she says, listen, we, we worship at different uh, centers of worship, different capitals. We have different, different Bibles. See, the thing is, is the, the Jews believe Scripture to be the law and the prophets. The first five books of, of, of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, are all the Pentateuch. Okay, that, they call that the Pentateuch part of the Bible. And the Jews thought that that was a Bible plus the prophets. You know, after that, you have Isaiah and Joel and Nahum and, and, you know, and, and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, all those, all those prophets, minor prophets and major prophets. So you have the Pentateuch, which is the law, and then you have the prophets. And so the Jews said all that is going to be part of the Bible, all that is part of the Bible. And the, and the Samaritans said just the five books, the law is a Bible. So you see how they looked at things totally different. Samaritans looked at the law, that's all. You know, and, and, and the Jews looked at the whole thing from the prophets as well and what the prophets had to say. And obviously we know that the prophets are the one who prophesied the Messiah. So then you got the fact, so she's a woman... You know, in that day, we know in that day, it was not like it is today where, where women were outcasts and such. And so she was, she was a woman, and he, and he was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. He was a rabbi. And it was just a big mix of, of, of no-nos, like, 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 just like uh, uh, Grayson. No, 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 don't, no, no, don't do that. Is that what he said a while ago? But it was so bad with this, the men-women thing there. This is another fun fact I found out. There was, um, they called themselves the bruised and bleeding Pharisees. Because when they, whenever they walked past a woman, they would close their eyes. If they saw a woman coming, they would close their eyes until they passed her, even if they ran into a wall and broke their nose. And I just thought that was hilarious. I was like, what? So, so it, was, it was really bad back then, the, the drama with that. So, but anyway, she was an outsider. She came into the heat of the day. She was a woman in public, and she was a Samaritan. 
And so here's how the, there's two levels of conversations going on. Christ is trying to get spiritual, and she's trying to get, she's trying to understand what he means because she's not there. And so he asked her, can I have some water? And she's like, you know, what are you talking about? You, how are you going to give me water? You know, you, you don't even have a bucket. You don't have a rope. You don't have no, no way to, to get any water, and you're asking me for water. And then you're saying, hey, then, then he said right before that, he said, I'll give you living water. And he's, she's like, well, you don't have a bucket. You don't have a rope. What do you, I don't understand. You're asking me for water, but now you say you're going to give me water, but you don't have access to get water. So she was still in, in, the, in the earthly realm. And so he's like, now listen, I'll give, you, I'll give you water that's going to spring up out of your soul that will give you eternal life. And she's like, oh, still in the physical. Oh, okay, that'd be great. If I could drink some water, I won't be thirsty again, and I want to come down here every day. And it could can, it can, it can come up somehow where, where somewhere out of the ground or something where I don't have to walk all the way out here every day at noon. That'd be great. And, you know, and he's like, no, you're just, not, you're just not getting it. You're just not getting it. So he's like, you know what, let me go ahead and, go ahead and do my thing. He says, go get your husband. Uh, and then she got real, and she got honest finally, and she said, uh, I don't have a husband. And, she, and he said, that's right. You don't have a husband, and the one you're with right now is not even your husband. You're sleeping with him out of wedlock. And, and she's like, wow, whoa. And that kind of like, he, she kind of read her, she kind of read, he kind of read her book and it kind of messed him up, you know, and, and he's telling her all these details. And I loved, I loved in the, in the, um, the passion, how he, and the passion it showed, he said, you know, I, I don't know Hebrew names, but he said, you know, Jimmy was your first husband, you know, and then, and then Ralph was your second husband. Ralph, his perfume smelled like oranges. And every time you go by the orange stand, you think about your second husband. I just thought that was really cool that he, that he legit, like, got detailed in the movie. And I don't know if that was true or not, but she did say that he knew everything about my life. And so it says, but it got too personal. And so, so since it got personal about her and her husbands and stuff, she tried to switch it. She said, listen, you and the, the Jews say that you need to go to the temple at Jerusalem and worship. But us Samaritans, we go to the mountain, to Mount um, Gerizim to worship. So, so we worship at different places and stuff. And God, he was like, okay, now we're, now we're both talking about worship. Now we're getting to the spiritual level together. And God says, listen here, where one worships is not the issue. It's not going to be the issue. It's going to be how you worship in spirit and in truth. God seeks true worshipers of spirit and truth. And soon we will all be able to worship the, the same way. And he said, salvation comes through the Jews. Because he was a Jew, salvation was going to come through him. He was trying to let her know. He was trying to give her these hints and talk to her about it. And, and so, and, and, but what he was saying was that you, you're, you're a Samaritan, and you don't, y'all don't really pay attention to the, to the prophets a lot, but the prophets prophesy me coming. Okay? And so finally, she's connected, and he's connected, and he looks at her and talks to her and declares that he, I mean, she said, before she, he says that, she says, I know the Messiah is coming, and I know that he will declare all things. And then he says, I am he. It is me. I am the Messiah. I am the one. Now, wow, the cat's out of the bag now. Now, all of a sudden, outside of his inner circle, that's the first time in public, outside of his inner circle, that he has ever said, in, in, at least in John, that I am the Messiah. In other words, it has begun. He's put it out there. And he said, it, I am the Messiah. You know, now, here's the trip, the thing about it. She was an outcast, she was a woman, she was a Samaritan, and she was in public. He chose that person to be the evangelist. Remember we talked about two weeks ago that he chose Mary Magdalene 
to be the first to preach the first Easter message. Well, he he chose this woman at the well to be the first evangelist to go so to go say, hey, the Messiah is here, and he told me everything about myself. John four thirty four. Then Jesus exclaimed, "My nerd! Okay, oh, I love this. I'm sorry. Let me back up. The disciples came back. They see him talking to her. They're like, she's a Samaritan. She's an evil woman." You're Jesus. You're the Messiah. Why are y'all talking together? What's going on? They were just like really confused. And so, so then they said, well, Jesus, we brought you some food. You need to eat. And he says, man, what I'm eating, y'all don't know about. He actually says, John 4, 34. Then Jesus exclaimed, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me from, um, and from finishing his work. See, he knew he got full off of the ability. He knew he was starting right there. The Messiah, it was, it was out there in public. Now he was getting ready to start the will of God in his life. He was getting ready to, to do what God had called. He knew it was about to begin. You remember, remember earlier um, at, at, for the, at the, uh, Mary Magdalene, he's like, my time hadn't come yet. And we talked about maybe he was like kind of concerned about starting it. You know, well, now he's out there and he's publicly said it. The cat's out the bag. Everybody knows. And, and she, she, is, she is so excited that she abandons her water jug. She just leaves him there at the well. And she takes off running and skipping and jumping. And she's like, who is this? Is this the Messiah? But she said it rhetorically like, you know, wow, this, is, this man is incredible. He told me everything. So she, he went running. She went running and screaming and hollering into the town and telling everybody, I just saw the Messiah. And he's going to come here. And he, he was there and he was going to be there for two days. And so he went there and he went into town. And, and, and the good thing about it, here's the good thing about it or the cool thing about it. I think it's pretty powerful. This same woman who was an outcast that nobody wanted to talk to that because she was a Samaritan and, and, and because she was her lifestyle and stuff, that same person that she avoided drama by going to the well to avoid these people, now she's going to these people. And they believed her. The power of God was on her life so much that when she spoke, they believed her. And then Christ came and they said, here's that man you were talking about. And so it was weird how that, how that all of a sudden it changed from her trying to avoid them to her going to him and them, not, them, them talking about her, now them listening to her and seeing this man who it was. I think that's, in, that's incredible. And then Jesus looks at, at, the, at, at Samaria and Sakar, looks out there to, to, overlooking the town. And he says, normally it's seed time and harvest. You, you seed and four months later you have a harvest, right? He said, but now that's about to expedite. Right now, it ain't going to be that way. We ain't going to wait for seed time and harvest because right now the harvest is white. Right now, out there, right, they're ready for us. They are ready. They are evil. They are bad. And they are ready. They are ready. She's going to went and evangelized to them. Now we're going to come in and we're going to pick the wheat. We're going to harvest all the souls. Now, you don't have to wait to plant the seed and then it grow and you water it. That's how it happens a lot of times. But now it's not. The harvest is white and we got to go after it. Many times we look at those bracelets. As a matter of fact, I have one today. As you know, it says, "What would Jesus do?" You know, and then I'll, it answers it here. It says, "He would love first. You know, that's to remind us. You know, what would what would Jesus do? He would love. That's the first thing he would do. Well, I think we should also say, "What did Jesus do?" Because we we have the, the, we have these sometimes for in times it's not really it's not really written in the Bible. In our in our in our minds it is, but in our minds it's not, not, what, what I'm going through is not in the Bible, Lord. So let me think what Jesus would do. Well, there's a lot, but everything's in the Bible, so we should look at it and say, WDJD, what did Jesus do? 
Jesus loved those outcasts. Jesus loved those people from different races. Jesus loved those people who, who, were, who were women and those people who were, uh, and then all, all of his disciples who were, were tax collectors and they were evil and they, they ripped people off. Those old fussing, cussing fishermen, you know, that were out there like Peter and, and a fighter and a brawler. And he, he loved those people. He called those people. What's so awesome to me is, is that he called this person that you would think, man, that's not the type that you would think that Jesus would pick. But if you go back to the very beginning of Scripture, he was talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a person that was very wealthy. He was, he was, he was the head, like the head of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. He was, he was on the Sanhedrin court. And, he was very, and Jesus was trying to call him as well. So the thing is, is but the, the thing is that those people, when people are, have money and they have wealth or they're doing good in life, they don't feel like, oh, they're like, yes, Jesus is for me and I can come to him and I can receive him. But people that are outcasts, they don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like nobody cares about them. That's why Jesus did it this way, I believe. He said, because everybody else, if you're living a good life and you're living a happy life and you're healthy and wealthy and happy, then, then you know that you're, you're okay with it. You, you, got self, you got self-esteem and you know you're doing good and, and you can come to me and I'll save you. But people that are outcasts, that are downbeaten and prodding, and nobody cares about them, and there's something wrong with their past, something wrong with who they are, Jesus is like, I want you too. All she wanted to do was belong. That's all she wanted to do was belong. And now she does. We need to be transformed and be the hands and the feet of Jesus everywhere we go. And I'm here to tell you, because it, was, it already was. But now because of COVID, I could go out that door and wave to the city and tell you, man, the, 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 the harvest is white. They are ready. They are ready for help. They're ready for their mental, mental problems with stress and, and depression and, and, and all of the, 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 the things that go along with mental health and, and people being down and depressed and broken. And, and they are ready down for us. So I'd like to ask you today, think about back forward and then we're going to forget about it and then we're going to move forward. So let's talk about from now, let's just say the past week. Everybody that you met this week, if they had a blindfold on, and, and when you talk, and I ask myself this question, so I'm not... I'm not pointing fingers. I asked myself this question. And they had a blindfold on, and they were blind spiritually. Everybody that you met this week, how many of them would have asked, are you Jesus? How many people would have said that? Or, or how many of them would have said, you ain't, you ain't even a disciple, the way you act? You know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously. Think about it. Our, our goal was to be like Jesus. What's that song? To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, to be like him. Through life's long journey, to earth, to glory. You know, it, it, just to be like Jesus. We want to be like, if we want to be like Jesus, then we need to act like Jesus and do what Jesus would do and, 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 and live a Christian life. But we don't do that. We pick and choose, and we get mad, and we act this way, and stuff, and we got, and I understand we get mad, and all this kind of stuff, but we have to have the thing to know that everybody we're looking at, especially if they don't know Jesus, and most of the people that you encounter during the day don't know Christ, according to statistics, so, so they're either going to look at you and say, they were a Christian, or if they were blind, oh, that could have been Jesus, based on what I heard about him, they were, or her, they were so kind, they were so loving, they were so gentle, they were so giving. Now, Jesus came with the word sometimes and he had to cut you know and he had to tell somebody like it was sometimes about the word of God and, he, and some, one time he had a righteous anger where he turned the tables over okay but there's a time and place for everything and, and, and every day of your life is not a time to turn the table over every day of your life is not a time to cut an ear off right we got to do we got to do, do be, be all of him and if we claim to know him we have to live and talk and act and walk like him 
But these people, there's people out there right now that don't feel worthy to come to church. I've had people tell me, matter of fact, they walked through the door and said, hey, I hope the, the, the building don't fall down because I'm here today. I mean, li people literally say that to me. And other people say, hey, I, don't, I can't go to church yet. I, I just, man, I, you just don't know, you don't know my story. And I'm like, I don't need to know your story. Just come as you are. And if he chose her, who in that time was a, just a, a political, just a total outcast in every shape, form, or fashion, then he can choose you and me. And he has chosen you and me. He's chosen every one of us. Jesus called, calls us into, to, into relationship with him. And he wants us to get rid of all the labels of what people called us. He wants us to get rid of all the labels that we call ourselves. All the labels and all of the, of the, of the false tags that people put on us. And the people say, well, look at her. Look at him. They are. They are. They are this. They are that. And then you say, I am this. I am that. God wants to strip all that away and make room for us to take our pots and leave our, our water pots there and go on. Are you willing to leave your water pots of what normally quenches your thirst? to decide and go and, and drink of the spiritual well? What is it that, that quenches your flesh, that thing that pleases your flesh so much that you've that you, that you got to come keep dipping water over and over come back to it again? What sin is it that you have that you got to keep going, coming back to it to, to, to quench that thirst in your life? Why can't we leave that at the altar and say, God, I want to drink from, that, from that, that, that well of everlasting life? Today, when we leave here today, today, when we leave here today, we need to go as a woman did that just heard that Jesus, the Messiah, was here. And we need to go out into the world singing and rejoicing, even in the rain. Be, be, be Gene Kelly, as, as, uh, as uh, somebody said earlier this morning, be Gene Kelly and dance in the rain. And walk out there and say, you know what? Hey, the Messiah, he's alive. I've seen him, I, I, I felt him. I know he's there. I've read, I've read about him. He, he's, he's helped me. He's changed my life. He took everything that was wrong with me and made it right. He, he delivered me from this. He, he, he healed me from this, and he's helped me. We need to go out there and share. We need, he wants us to be evangelists. We're supposed to go out and make disciples. We're supposed to go out there and mentor and love on people and care about people. We're supposed to go out there and make a change. And we're supposed to go out there and do it to everyone, not just people that, who are on your same economic status. We got to do it to everybody. We got to go out and cross political lines. We got to go out and cross racial lines. We got to go out and cross every line. And we got to be humble and be able to look at someone and truly care about them. And if you can't cross that line and care about them, then before you try to cross that line, then we need to get on our knees and pray and say, God, forgive me and help me have the right attitude and help me not being, being selfish and, and self-righteous, God, that I can't cross that line and talk to that person with true love. We've got to be able to cross. There shouldn't be a line that we shouldn't be able to cross on any economical status. We should be able to walk up to a millionaire and try to share with Jesus with him. And we should be able to walk right on down there to, 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 to under the bridge and talk to the homeless about him. And we should be able to walk, walk right on to the crack house and talk to them about him. We should be able to walk right on down there to the, to, the, to the red light district and talk to them about him. There shouldn't be nobody that we shouldn't be able to talk to. We should be able to, we should be able to go to death row. And look at someone on death row that murdered somebody and say, God loves you and you can be saved today and make it into heaven. But we don't, well, they kill somebody. They, don't, they still got a soul. God still loves them. They still deserve heaven. 
Come on, man. I just want to pray with you right now and ask, and ask that God bless you and ask that this week that you can walk. And, and I, look, I know, you know, I'm going to tell you, I know, you, I know you're thinking, man, I, I, he really beat me up with that. Are you Jesus? The answer to me was no. When I asked myself this week, did everybody look at you and say, are you Jesus? I said no. Okay? Because <laughs> I didn't. But I want to. And I want to strive for that. I don't make all the right decisions, but I want to. I don't always say the right things, but I want to. My heart's desire is, and, and if I continually want to, and my heart's desire continually to be, then one day I believe God's going to help me do that. I believe that. I believe you can too. So why don't we join arms hand in hand, not, not physically right now, but let's join arm in arm spiritually, you know, and hopefully one day physically. And let's, let's take this just journey together. And let's go out into the city and just sweep and tell people about the love of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus and say, look, man, I, my life was a wreck. My life was a mess. And if he saved me, he could save you. And let's be willing to cross every line out there that people say that, no, 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 that you can't cross that line. Let's cross that line and love people. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you for all you've done. Thank you for this amazing story. Thank you for this amazing series, God, that got me out of my comfort zone. God, and even talking about things, God, that I'm, I may not even want to, would have normally talked about, Father. But thank you, Father, that, we, that you got us here today. And, God, that you're helping us, Father. Help us, God, to be like Jesus. Help us to have a desire to be like Jesus. God, that we can try to, to do our best. I know we, we will never succeed at being perfect as you were, Lord. But that should never stop us from being, wanting to be like you. So, God, help us to be that love. God, help us to lay our pots of selfishness down. Help us to lay our, our, our pots of, 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 of sin down. All that stuff that pleases our flesh and help us just to, to lay it here at the altar, God, and, and go drink from the well that you're talking about that never runs dry. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Be real to us today, God, and strengthen us, God. Do what only you can do in us, God, and take us, our feeble, imperfect people, and take us and use us for your glory on the potter's wheel. Thank you for that, God, and we love you and honor you for all that you've done and all that you do. Thank you for these amazing people in this room whom I love with all my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.